The culture in the United States is much different than when I was growing up in the 50s and 60s in a lot of different ways. But one way was you used to see two, sometimes three generations living in one house. When you got done school, you got a job near home and you just kind of stayed there forever. If you went away to college or into the military, you'd come back family and extended family nearby, the same neighbors for as long as you live there. And we still see some of that here in Oklahoma. A lot of people are from here. When we were in Florida, not very many people were from there. Uh, you get more people moving from here to there. Something I saw on the internet a while ago was you came here because there you didn't like there. And now you want to change here to be like there. You're welcome here, but please stop trying to make here like there. If you want here to be like there, you should have never left to come here. And you're invited to leave and go back there, wherever there is. Uh, in Oklahoma, since we've been here three and a half years, we've seen a lot of people moving in from other states for a lot of different reasons. But now people pack up and move from here to there frequently and think nothing of it. Since we entered the ministry in 1989, we've moved several times. We went from New York to New York to Delaware to New York to Maryland to Delaware, and then I retired. So we had eight different homes that we lived in. Since I've retired, we moved from Delaware to Kentucky to Florida to Florida to Oklahoma, plus a couple short terms while we were waiting to find a house. So all of that has been over a 30-some year period. We're now living in our fifth forever home. That's when we hear somebody say that, you know, this is going to be my forever home. We both just laugh and laugh and laugh. If some of you have lived in the same house for 30 or 40 years, that's great. You know, good for you. Our moves have brought us many, many friends from all over. And we still have friends from back where we started. So let's check out this moving business because God's in the moving business sometimes. Let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks that uh, no, no matter where we are or what we're doing, that you're there with us. And we just praise you for that because we would be lost on our own. So, Lord, as you guide us and direct us in life, guide us and direct us as we listen to the message that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the Bible talks a lot about moving people. <coughs> sometimes short moves, sometimes a great distance. Sometimes only one person, sometimes many, many persons. So today when people move, you know, you rent a U-Haul or whatever kind of moving truck, or you get pods, or you hire a moving company, or you throw everything in the back of your friend's pickup truck and think nothing of it. You know, a move from one side of the, the U.S. to the other is well, give or take 3,000 miles. And, you know, that would take you probably a week at the most 
uh, depending on what sites you see in between. But biblical moves took much longer, even short moves. So the first move that we see in the Bible affected all humanity for eternity. Genesis chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. So the Lord God banished him, Adam, from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Boy, talk about getting evicted. Uh, from, he went from enjoying the lush Garden of Eden, you know, beautiful plants and trees and all kinds of animals that were friendly. You didn't have to worry about getting eaten by a lion or um, you had to watch out for the snakes, as we know. And just all kinds of fruit and vegetables. Everything was ideal. It was paradise on earth. But now he finds himself trying to scratch out a living someplace. Now we don't know where he went, but we know that he had been kicked out of the garden. Another move is in Genesis chapter 6. Well, Noah gets instructions from God to build an ark, whatever that is. And the, the instructions were very specific. How long, how high, how wide, number of decks, one door, at least one window, the materials that he was supposed to use. Because all of this was foreign to Noah. I mean, we don't know that he was a carpenter, but he probably wasn't a shipbuilder. So then in Genesis, Genesis 7, he was told to get him and his family into the ark and expect rain, whatever that was. So this boat trip didn't take 40 days and 40 nights. That's how long it rained, was 40 days and 40 nights. But the trip total took over a year. And so um, we don't know where Noah ended up. You know, some people think that they have found the remains of the ark in different parts of the world. But we don't know that. So let's move on to Abram. And in Genesis 12, 1, he was told, go from your father's land and I'll show you where. Well, in Genesis 18, we find Abram entered near Hebron at the great trees of Mamre. Next is the account then of Sodom and Gomorrah. And in there in chapters 18 and 19, and we know uh, the only one that got moved was Lot and his family. So in Genesis 20, Abraham, well, he's still on the road again. In Genesis 20, verse 1, tells us this. Now Abraham moved on from there to the region of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. For a while, he stayed in Gerah. Well, on this trip, he tried to keep himself out of trouble, and so he lied to save his hide. And that's another message. 
but not sure where he ended up on this move. But there were many others by Abraham and had to pack his bags and hit the road again. Well, next we find Abraham's son, Isaac, on the move. In Genesis chapter 26, verses 1 through 3, it says, Now there was a famine in the land beside the previous famine in Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerah. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants, I will give all the lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. Okay, so what Isaac is hearing from the Lord is, I want you to leave here and I want you to go someplace else. I'm not going to tell you right now, okay? But, you know, you just need to be ready to take off now because I need you someplace else. Well, then we move on to the next generation and we find Jacob moving several times. If you look in Genesis 27, 31, 35, 46, the first move of Jacob, he's running for his life. And the others were by God's direction. Well, so then along comes Joseph. Now, Joseph's moves were not his idea. Uh, he went to Egypt after being sold by his brothers. And then he went back and forth to jail. Uh, not a long trip, but uh, ones that he made, again, not of his own decision, obviously. But God had his hand on him. And then there was one more move for Joseph because his bones were moved by Moses 350 years after his death. Well, then comes the move of all moves, Moses and the Israelites. Sounds like a trio of some kind, doesn't it? Like Diana Ross and the Supremes? Israelites. How many? Well, we're told different estimates, but approximately 600,000 able-bodied men, plus the women and the children, and again, estimates are around 2.4 million people. Whoa. Okay, I thought it was bad with four kids. Well, they didn't have to worry about packing up the U-Haul because they took only what they could carry. In Exodus 12, 25, Moses told the elders of Israel, when you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he has promised. And they were told the long way around. It wasn't from God that he said, I want you to go, and I want you to go down to McDonald's, make a left, and just keep going for 40 years. Okay, it would have taken about 40 days to move that large number of people from Egypt to Canaan. But God knew that wasn't going to happen. The point is, the only GPS they had was God, and he needed to teach them a lesson. So all the Israelites knew was what God had said to Abram in 12.1 of Genesis. Go from your country, your people, your father's household, 
to the land that I will show you. Okay, no specific directions to where or how long the trip was going to take. Just you're going to the promised land. So God is making good on his promise to Abram. But God provided for them on the trip. He provided food and water, protection. And we're told in Deuteronomy 29.5, when the Lord told Moses, During the 40 years that I led you through the wilderness, your clothes did not wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet. Okay, God gave them what they need. And they made it to the promised land, as promised to Abram. So let's take a look at some moves that we find in the New Testament. This one is sometimes overlooked with everything else that happened in connection with it. So looking at Matthew chapter 2, this is what the tax collector wrote. That the Magi were on their way to find the king of Israel, to find the Messiah, to find the Savior. Well, they stop in Jerusalem to get some directions, and then they follow the star to where Jesus was, and once that's done, well, they're on the road or path, again, headed back east, but they go a different route than what they came. Well, then in Matthew 2, chapter 13 to 15, we find Jesus on his first road trip. Because when the Magi had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said take the child and his mother and escaped to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. And that's where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I will call my son. Three things about that passage. Okay, we don't know where they went in Egypt, just to Egypt, we was told. We don't know how long they stayed there. And the quote that the Lord was mentioning was Hosea 11.1. 1. But the moving is not over. Because in Matthew 2, beginning in verse 19, this is what we hear. After Herod died... An angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to kill, excuse me, who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea, in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. Now, it doesn't tell us what prophets it was in this case. So twice an angel spoke to Joseph, go to the land of Israel, okay, but then things didn't look good there. And then in verse 22, it says, Having been warned in a dream, it's time to move one more time. 
So as we continue to look in the New Testament, we find that there's just way too many moves that Paul made to try to address them all here. Maybe that's another message. But feel free to check them out and see if you can keep track of Paul. Those of you who have moved quite frequently can relate. Those of you who have moved few times in your life, um, just try to imagine uh, packing up everything and going wherever. But the Lord never had an angel speak to me in a dream and say, get up and take your children and their mother and go where I tell you to go. But each time we knew it was God's will. So if you feel it's time for you to be on the move, just do it. I know some of my classmates, they lived you know, near where we had lived growing up for many, many years. And then after they'd retired for a while, they decided it was time to move south where it was a little bit warmer. But whatever the Lord wants you to do, he's going to direct you. Or if it's not what the Lord wants you to do, he's going to put up some roadblocks because he may not want you to go where you think you need to go. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks that you do guide us, direct us, and that's all because you love us. So, Father, we just give you thanks that we can uh, trust your word. The Lord, we read about the things that were done hundreds, thousands of years ago by your children. And, Lord, you still um, put burdens on people to, to go where you want them to go. Uh, whether it's uh, for a, a job or um, because of the economy or because you call a missionary, whatever it may be. Lord, let us be ready to follow your direction and know if we do that, we're in good shape. But Lord, if there's any that are listening to this that, that do not know you, Father, I pray that they will be uh, directed to take that move towards you. So just follow the directions that the Lord gives us. And it's like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Thank you that you rose him from the dead and that he's coming again. Lord, teach me to love the way Jesus loves. And Father, help me to be the child that you need me to be. In Jesus' name. Amen.